0: Birthday Wendy oh. Nola is with us in studio. Happy birthday <laughs> Thank to you, you, Wendy! And thanks, thanks so for much, for Pippa. coming nice into to be work. Here. Yes. <laughs> okay. We have got a lot of ground to cover today. We're going to do some feedback on a subject we mentioned last week to do with reporting uh, the theft of bank cards. We're mm. going to look at some Unisa student woes. Uh, we have some details around opting out of direct marketing uh, worth revisiting, and a few other bits and pieces if we have time for them. But as always, if you want to join a conversation, you do so by calling us on 21 567 or sending a voice note to 072-567-1567. Now, we're going to start with the banking feedback. Last week, if you were listening, you may recall I shared an email from our listener, Ingrid, very traumatic story detailing how her husband had been hijacked and talking to us about some of the struggles she had, they had endured rather in the aftermath of that crime. And one of the things that stood out was how she had struggled to get hold of her bank to cancel his credit card. Uh, she was left on hold for minute after minute after minute after minute mm. while watching the withdrawals tick away from the bank account. And the excuse she was offered was, sorry, high call volumes. And
1: we're understaffed. And we're understaffed, Remember that that's one, right. Yes.
0: And she, she asked the very valid question, who is liable for those losses if she can't get hold uh, of the bank to report the crime. Uh, Wendy, by the way, I've got a follow-up email from Ingrid. I'm happy to tell you that Standard Bank have said they are going to cover the losses. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's very much in line with what the banking Ombud told you should be
1: happening. Yes, so I quickly fired off a voice note to the Ombud, Rihanna Stein, and uh, said what was – I have I've felt, based on the cases I've dealt with, that um, the bank would be liable if it could be proved that this is when – Um, from a call log, this is when Ingrid tried to call um, and this is when the transactions happened and everything that happened after the attempted call would be for the bank's account and she confirmed that that was indeed the case. Um, I then couldn't get hold of her again and we got into this conversation about because somebody called in and said they had a very good experience with the bank and they only waited seven minutes and you and I were like, seven minutes is quite a long time. Um, So at what point then... In other words, what is a reasonable time? Um, so I put that to uh, Rihanna Stein off air, and she said, no, it's very simple. It's from the time that you make connection. So even while you're holding on, if um, that was when you reported or attempted to report that was when you made the call um, and um, it can't be the case that if it took you 10 minutes to get through and everything that if there were transactions that were finalized and In went your 10 card, minutes, yeah. they, that it's your, your um, loss no um, the bank would need to pick up so you would think then that it would be um, you know that the banks would have very um, massive motivation then to have well staffed offices exactly yeah. and um, I've spoken to a lot of companies not just banks but uh, other industries that were impacted by aviation for example by COVID and said people I trust and they trust me that I'm not going to share you know n- name drop yeah. but they said yeah it's, it's a thing a lot of us are still um, under resourced we 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 um, we didn't keep up our hiring levels during COVID because we didn't Ooh. need to and we were hemorrhaging income. And so many of us are still behind. Yes, we know there's no excuse, but it takes a while to fire that up to um, pre- you know normal levels. And I'm thinking, especially with banks, we've got two major, uh, more actually, data breaches that we know of. We're all
0: at heightened risk yes. of... of, of
1: Information, so so compromised. credit okay. providers' fraud lines need to be very well uh, manned from want a better a word. Yeah. and and if they aren't, we know then, from the time you log the call, should they should you have any losses related to the fraud that you were trying to report or the stolen card or whatever it was? Um, it's that institution's lost. You have to be in, so stay remember. on the line stay and on. keep listening to the music. Phone. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I mean, it's going to cost you in cell phone uh, but, airtime, if yeah. you, but but ultimately, you need that call to be logged and 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 stay to be able on the to line. Prove
0: you tried, okay, mm. Wendy. Now, without going into any detail, you had occasion to to, to test your own bank's uh, call center this this week. Uh, the details of that are a story for another time. We, yeah. but you made an interesting comment to me that. Besides the point of how quickly or not quickly the call gets answered, there's another uh, quite glaring sort of oversight in the way that that, that these calls are being handled.
1: Yeah, I just thought it was worth mentioning, and we could make a whole show out of this, and I'm sure we'd have no shortage of listeners who would phone in and and agree that they had this experience, although... It's often the other way around. But anyway, that very night, last Wednesday evening, I found myself having to, to uh, make contact with uh, my insurer, cell phone provider, and um, bank. Um, and they were, well, leaving aside their bots are useless, I finally got hold of a, a person and, and did the necessary. But but it occurred to me when I was speaking to the insurer, and I was quite deep into the call, um, not saying too much. It didn't include me, but there was a home invasion situation with yeah. a loved one, and it was fairly traumatic. And I just said, "You haven't asked how this person is." Yeah. And he went, "Oh yes, I'm getting to that." And I went, "The time would be." And I was very non-confronted. I was just interested. I said, "Now you, these people deal with these particular people on these lines. You're reporting something bad, right? And I know they deal with it every day, but..." He, that their scripts they're very script led their yeah. scripts should say big prompt oh, you're ask right. are, yeah. is he, are you he she okay sorry that happened it takes how long five seconds
0: to just offer a little bit of empathy yeah
1: yeah. and it was quite you know I didn't go, I wasn't into this uh, say sorry I just wanted to get it done but it
0: yeah.
1: it occurred to me halfway through that call I'm reporting something quite traumatic traumatic yeah. And, and there wasn't even a question of well, yeah, we know. I know that these things were lost, but what about the person? It yeah. was it was a face to face situation. And, you know, in somebody's guts, home.
0: Wendy, as you say, maybe it doesn't need to be. Scripted per se, basic human decency, you would think, would lead you to say, "I'm so sorry this happened I to mean, you. Are oh, you all right?" I remember it okay. In,
1: in my yeah. previous years as a journalist, you know, our news editors always say, you know, becoming family murders and awful things, and always say, "Remember, you know, you've got to be human in the moment. Don't just be this sort of vulture journalist. You've got to, sweeping in to get this the is news, yeah. yeah, sweeping in to get the news and you know, just asking all the questions to get what you need to file. You need and and I just wonder. These people are similarly dealing with people who've who've been traumatized, uh, suffered loss. How is it that the first thing they say is not just, you know... A, a three-second commiseration, empathetic response, and three just, out of naught out of three. And that
0: you know, I just I, you would think it was good communication practice, if nothing else. Wendy, as you say, it shouldn't need to be scripted to be a decent, empathetic human being. But if you're going to script a script for somebody who's working regularly in. in that space, you would think it's an absolute no-brainer that I you know. try and defuse the anxiety, tap down how upset people are likely to be at the start of that call with a very simple gesture that that'll go a long way.
1: I know. I have to say, you years ago I had to do this probably I don't know how many years more than 10 and I've all I had to stop cards and on behalf of somebody and you know bank cards and store cards and whatever and out of all of them I don't know if it's still the case yeah. but the Woolworths person was the, the one, one who said with great feeling oh that is awful are they alright and you know Okay. Well, good and for I thought you. yes yeah. so all these years later I'm still giving kudos to that Woolworths woman
0: so I wonder I mean I'm sure there must be other examples of that and as you said we could probably do a three hour show on the examples of the uncaring disinterested response let's ask for the opposite have Please, you had I'm the sure experience there- of phoning in to report something like this where you were treated with empathy with dignity with a little bit of human concern that made you feel seen as a human being and not just a number on the end of the phone. If you have had that experience, pop us a voice note to 0725671567. Okay. And Wendy, we are really sorry that you had to go through this. Um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) uh, But appreciate the feedback and that important reminder that it really, the the, the bank liability starts from the minute you are connected to that phone line. So do make the call and make it soon.
1: And please put your bank's fraud number into your phone now if you haven't already because it saves time and and stress. If you can just go and make the and call straight away without, without yeah. having to look it up first. Okay.
0: We're going to park the banking conversation there, although we would still love to hear those voice notes from those who got it right in terms of mm. the empathy on these lines. The next one is also one that uh, requires a degree of... Excuse of, the pun. Yeah, I, yeah, pardon the pun. <laughs> a degree of, of patience and empathy and feeling for students who are desperate to be able to either in one case continue with their studies or in the next case... Proof that they have completed their studies, we were approached in the last few weeks by two separate local students who are at their wits' end in dealing with UNISA, Wendy. Uh, First, we heard from Niku, who paid for his studies in full in January of this year, but told us he hasn't yet received any printed versions of his study material. And he said every year previously that he's worked through UNISA, he was given hard copies... He's not had any communication from them to say that this wouldn't happen this year round. When he's tried to follow it up, they sort of wave him towards online copies being available. But as he points out, he doesn't have a steady internet line at home. So for him to be able to access those, he's got to go into a third-party site, print them off, and we know what the cost of printing and, and printing is, and then be able to take them home. So it's really not what he feels he's signed up and paid for, but he just cannot get an answer out of anybody as to when or even if the hard copies are actually going to arrive. So that was Nico, and then we heard from uh, Abdul, who's got a similar conundrum uh, with regards to his studies. In his case, he's already finished his studies through UNISA, and he graduated last year, but he's been waiting since July of last year for his degree documents to no avail. So he's got no way of proving to potential employers that he does indeed have the degree he claims he does. Wendy, I know we've had quite a struggle oh, well. trying to reach Maybe it's
1: me, and I'll put up my hand if that's the case. But I, I went to the news and well, first of all, when you type in media liaison, you get pointed to Eunice's um Paper studies. And yes. one. <laughs> okay. So then I went, News and media, okay, that's fine. I've got a whole lot of things posted there, and you think on the side they've got you know tabs, and there's no contact, there's no press office, no press officer and I think it's like okay I'll look under a few uh, press releases Uh, no their only contact was whoever from the particular department wrote the piece and I was like okay Um, so then I went to one of the complainants emails and they had obviously had some interaction with a UNISA person and so I sent it to them and said please could you forward this to your media person anyway um, this morning I tried again and eventually at one of the press releases I found a name of a press officer, a media officer and I sent it to him and he wrote back to say um, give me the details which were actually on the original email and then said oh that you can't say that, you can't get a hold of us, it's all over the internet so I said well try what I just did because yeah." so I'll, I'll, maybe I should have tried harder, I'm sorry but I did think obviously we're going to give Eunice the right of reply and a follow up show but I did think it would be a good opportunity to mention those two cases and ask our listeners if there's anyone else, else struggling and then it we can at least we have a conduit we can at least bundle them together and and send them and deal with other cases of the same kind next week.
0: Okay, so there are two different categories here. Is one is you've registered, you've paid for your registration and started your studies but you haven't got your study materials, and the second is you've completed your studies and graduated but you haven't received your degree certificate or proof of your qualification. If you are in either of those camps, please pop us an email. You can mail me on uh pippa h at capetalk.co And that's spelled P I P P A H. Otherwise, where Wendy, she's on consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Please put the words Cape Talk UNISA in the subject line. If you are in the same category and would like us to add your particulars to the follow-up that is underway with UNISA, uh, we'll gladly do so. And um, uh, hopefully by the time we are on air next week, Wednesday, we'll be able to bring somebody from UNISA on air to speak to Oh, certainly the so invite them. Yeah, we'll, we'll do our best. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um Wendy also well before before we leave this, it's worth pointing out this of course is not an issue that's confined to NISA no, alone. It
1: isn't. Um I just this morning, funnily enough, got an email from Sharif who said that his son had been waiting since twenty nineteen for his for Damlin to issue his formal qualification. He successfully completed his PC engineering course. It's been paid for in full, but um this you know, all important document hasn't been forthcoming. And um, Sharif said he did some online research and, research and found that many students were having similar issues with Damlin. Um, I have um, had reason to deal with Damlin uh, around similar complaints, um, mostly around study materials, um, actually, in okay. the past. So I'll make contact there. So again, if you're a, a Damlin um Student and you're battling to get your qualification or your study materials or anything of that nature. Let us not too. Or any other um, uh, online uh, tertiary education yeah. or institution. I mean, it must. I
0: would imagine it must be a widespread kind of complaint now, given how many people
1: switched I to think online so. But uh, again, a capacity uh, the issue, yeah. Pippa. Um You pay money. You, you 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 have an expectation of something to show for it. If you've paid for your fees and you've and you've um, passed the course, I mean. Now you're in. Now it's you're in a holding pattern. pattern. That you <laughs> yes. Proof
0: of that qualification. Absolutely. Okay. So let's not leave it and restrict it to Unisa alone. If you're in that position uh, as well, please pop us a, an email either to h at cape or to uh, consumer at Let's squeeze in a quick WhatsApp question, which I think can be answered relatively simply before we go to news. Wendy let's anonymous hope so. is wondering if visa application agencies would fall under consumer law. Their comment is: I had to pay for a courier to deliver my visa when I could so easily have gone in to collect it in person but I was made to sign a form saying I have requested the courier service it was being forced to use the service
1: there's nothing that comes to mind that uh, specifically in the CPA that would um, cover that but um, it does seem a little bit um, unconscionable to make someone a uh,
0: pay for a service they don't have
1: to pay. And, and to make yeah. it look as if they requested it yeah. so i don't know what the reason whether they just don't want the, the masses to descend on their operation um, um
0: very strange i mean most of them thinking back to my own previous experiences most visa places have got a designated collections desk that's a quick in and out when the documents that ready. would be my experience
1: yeah. as well um the last time i needed a visa though was some time ago, certainly long before COVID, so I don't know if, if that's changed anything. But I can certainly understand the irritation. I thought yeah. the question was going to be around the usual one of I applied, I
0: paid, I paid, lockdown. yes, and yeah. their
1: answer to that is no. They say they offered the service, uh, they provided the service, whether it was denied or not is Oy. immaterial. Horrible, isn't it?
0: It really is. And it's. I know this is a grey area also because it involves foreign governments and yes. who's subject to what laws. But, yeah, as you said, um, if you want us to follow up on that, if you want to send an email telling us which particular agency it was and uh, ask us to do a bit of prodding, you're welcome to do so. Uh, uh, email to consumer at nola.co.za. A story I did write um,
1: earlier this week was... Um, around the fact that um, certainly uh, European destinations in particular, um, massive backlogs in applying for visas. Um, So a couple of people um, scheduled to travel to the Netherlands coming weeks. You cannot get a slot. And um, Otto de Vries, um, the CEO of Asata, actually wrote a letter to the um, ambassador for the European union delegation here in South Africa to say, please look at this because it's causing immense hardship. And what's happened is they haven't scaled up again yep. after all the travel bans and lockdowns. They haven't capacity. It's, it's the processing, the VFS, the outsourced processing uh, application process. Once you get the application, the, the consulates act fast, but it's that, that getting bottleneck. that, yes. And it's, it's causing unbelievable, and people having to re, uh, reschedule their trips, which comes at a cost
0: I had an email yesterday or the day before from someone trying to get a visa appointment at the US consulate. They're due to fly on the 18th of June. The first appointment is the 18th of July.
1: Yep, typical case.
0: That's 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 the kind of uh, frame. So if you are thinking, by the way, of travelling in the June-July school holidays, best you get started now. And the advice is:
1: don't get, don't buy the ticket until you've got the visa
0: which is easier said than done because the visa asks to Sometimes. see the tickets in many cases Sometimes but not all cases Cape Talk. Talk Consumer Talk WhatsApp on 072 567 1567 Right. Well, before we move on to the next topic around direct marketing, uh, two questions going back to the previous conversations. We started with the bank card issue. So a follow up WhatsApp. Wendy saying contacting the bank fraud line after cards have been stolen. You're assuming that one cell phone hasn't been stolen too. for example, the entire handbag. What to do then? Um, if you've lost the phone as well, uh, well, any suggestions, Wendy?
1: Just to add, first of all, and I should have said it earlier, um, it, you don't only phone your bank when your cards are stolen. You phone the, the bank when your when your phone has been taken stolen, from yeah. you because um, if you've got a banking app on on it um, that's the way many fraudsters are getting into people's bank accounts so right so you need to be able to then um, go into another device such as your laptop and delink your cell phone app from your banking account and all the banks have created ways to do that you can do it yourself and I suggest you also find out how that's done so that when you're in a panic if your phone's been whipped out of your hand while you're hailing an Uber or something like that or stolen from your car or whatever the case may be um, that you can do that quickly because it takes them a while while to figure it out and you've, you've got a little time to do spare the other so the main question was what do you so i mean you, you have to have another means of of, of, reporting of it, doing yeah. it so maybe on your partner's phone um have your um your bank fraud uh, details um have your bank numbers because the first thing they want to know is what is the account or in my case they said what's the last three digits of the account things like that and yeah. um Fortunately, it wasn't my stuff. It was someone whose stuff was linked to mine. That you know, so I, I didn't have that issue. But it is a valid question. You have to make sure that you've got um, a and means, the means to de-link your cell phone app, your banking app from your um, from your bank account. And then you need to, if you you know, if your entire handbag is stolen, um, you need to obviously make have another means of um, other than your cell phone of contacting your bank. But as we keep saying, time is of the essence. So the here. sooner that You know, that it clicks over and you hear that recorded message. From then, it's not your responsibility anymore. anymore. Any money that flows out.
0: And then on Unisa, Temba writing in to say, Unisa is notoriously poor at communication. My daughter got COVID recently and emailed three different people to ask whether they have a process for a medical extension. Nobody replied, so she struggles through her symptoms trying to finish a research paper. Oh, Temba, I'm awful. sorry. Uh, that really is awful. That's not good it's enough. It's another example it's of, of
1: communication. I think yeah. that, um, corporates, uh, tertiary institutions, um, I think – you know, I just don't think they've capacitated most of them um, post-COVID uh, to the level that they should. But, I mean, this organization is one that's always been correspondence. Yeah. So they've always, that's been, you know, some can't It's what walk. they do. Yes. Um,
0: if, it, it just makes no sense that that, 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 that that kind of institution that is entirely geared up to communicate with people at a distance yeah. does it so badly. Anyway, definitely one to be continued. Temba, I really hope your daughter feels better soon and is able to struggle through uh, that research paper. Okay, we are going to move on to uh, a third issue that came uh, our way this week to do with direct marketing. And Wendy, we've spoken about this often. We know that there is the Existence of the database you can sign up to to say that you want to be removed from all direct marketing lists, etc. But this is a very interesting case around the particular way so. in which <sighs> a particular company expected someone to to opt out of their yes. communications. And so I think it's us, yeah. yeah, I think
1: it's one that many of our listeners will relate to. And I really got stuck into this one. I just was a dog with a bird. I kept going back and back and back. But essentially, it started on Twitter. Um, Priscilla of Cape Town got a call from a clientele life telesales sales agent. Last Monday, the fourth, wanting to sell her a product, as they do. No, she said, please don't call me again. That was the four, the first call, but then she got another and another four in total that day. And from call two, three, and four, she she hung up. Um, or no, that's right. She said, um, I think at the fourth call, um, she decided to um, interrogate the agent about the ethics of calling people without their permission or, or a written authority to be called. Um, and she says he said I should reply to the SMS they sent me to opt out, and I told him that I didn't even ask to be on clientele's broad- database. So why should I opt out of something I didn't opt into in the first place? He replied rather sheepishly that that's how they work. I then asked him about the Poppy Act, and that's the protection of personal information, mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be, and that they shouldn't be contacting people without their consent. Quite right. The only way that I could not be contacted again was to opt out. of Via the SMS, he said. Oh. Um, and she said, financial services companies offering insurance policies seem to be the main culprit, and I've got and it's got out of hand with calls at all times of the day, and they persist if you don't pick up on the first, second, or even third time. So of course, I took up the case with clientele, and I said that um Priscilla had received an unsolicited call and not an SMS, so a verbal instruction in that very tele-sales call. Uh, not to be called again for marketing purposes is a valid instruction. It is not fair, or reasonable. I said for a consumer to have to do anything more than that to opt out when the approach is via phone. I um, uh, said, so please, can you can you clarify your um, opt out procedure?
0: And what did they uh, say in their response, Wendy? <laughs> I gather it was it was couched in some quite deep legalese. Yes,
1: very high, grade deep legalese. Um, I've edited a little bit for easier comprehension. So here's how it went. Clientel obtained the customer's contact information via a third-party data supply in line with relevant legislation. She was contacted as part of a telemarketing campaign. Okay, this we know. In line with legislation, clientele has an opt-out process whereby any customer who telephonically indicates they no longer wish to be contacted regarding clientele's product offerings will be sent an SMS requesting them to formally confirm their request to opt-out. This process is straightforward and we don't believe to be unnecessarily formal. I've just called it formally, but anyway, we yeah. don't agree, believe that it's um, unnecessarily formal or burdensome on a customer. The reason for the SMS is to ensure that the process is automated to avoid human error and unnecessary delay. So human error being, don't phone me again, and they phone you f- a few hours later. Don't phone me again. for. Phone- yeah. <laughs> I mean.
0: But I mean, really, how hard can it be for the person that, who's on the line to update a system to say You just automate
1: it. As I yeah. said, the technology exists. Exists. But they know that people ignore SMSs, you see.
0: Yeah, so that's the loophole that they're they're obviously using. So
1: this got very interesting. They did say that Priscilla's number has now been flagged as an opt-out and she won't be receiving any more calls or uh, um, about any future marketing campaigns that's on their Do Not Contact database.
0: Is that good enough, though? No.
1: So I didn't want... I didn't think so, but as I say, I'm not an authority on these things. So I engaged with information... The information regulator's spokesman, Nomzamo Zondi, who I'm happy to report was a delightfully cooperative and approachable woman. Um, We had several phone conversations during this whole saga and she said, according to section 69 of Popia, any unsolicited electronic communication is prohibited unless the data subject, this would be Priscilla in this this case, case. has consented to the processing of their personal information, is a customer of the responsible party clientele um, and uh, and she would uh, the customer would still need to consent to be given an option to opt out. Um, uh, So Clientel in this case must provide a... Priscilla, reasonable opportunity to object to the use of their personal information, free of charge and in a manner free of unnecessary formality. Okay,
0: can I stop you there? Free of charge in yes. SMS is not free of charge. I did check. No, they do absorb yep. that cost. They do,
1: okay. I did check that. Okay. Because <laughs> I also thought, that's not free. Um, should the responsible party clientele still send the data subject unsolicited communication after she's objected, they can, she, being Priscilla, can lodge a complaint with the regulator? But it didn't end there because I went back to clientele with that and thought, yeah, right, oh no. Um, they came back with, and I must just find my Okay, note. I've got it here on page Good. five. You, as you, you, as you have
0: it. quoted section 69 of Poppier, the operative words here are unsolicited electronic communication. We can confirm that contact with the client was telephonic direct marketing and not electronic communication. (laughs) Therefore section 69 of Popier is not applicable to this specific instance. We have provided the customer a right to object to the processing of her personal information. This process is in our view reasonable, free of charge and of unnecessary formality. Furthermore, having considered the feedback from the information regulator below, it appears that they are also Referencing unsolicited electronic communication, so they they dodged that very neatly, saying, "Well, that feedbacks irrelevant because this wasn't electronic." When do you yes. turn back to the regulator? What did I she say? Did. She
1: said, um, "By popular definition, electronic communication means any text, voice, sound, or image message sent over an electronic communications network, in which in this case is telephonic, which is stored in the network or in the recipient's terminal equipment." basically she's saying that's not an out that, uh, that a it, phone it, uh, call yes. is included otherwise you can imagine I mean that could be completely exploited as in this yeah. case I would argue however what needs to be understood here further Nomzamo said is um, chapter 3 of Papier refers to the conditions for lawful processing of personal information particularly in this instance and um, Consent, uh, Section 11 on consent needs to be read in conjunction with Section 9. And Section 11 says that a data subject to whom personal information relates may object at any time to the processing of personal information for purposes of direct marketing um, other than uh, direct marketing by means of unsolicited electronic communication. In other words, her saying no after that first call is a valid opt-out. Putting these hurdles in, uh, it, it's not. Legi- oh, not. Le- that is That's not legit- legitimate. Yeah. yeah. So um, she says now, in relation to this incident, the client has not opted in, and therefore they should have uh, not. They should not have to be following any formalities to opt out. Um, the act says that you should contact a person, and they request that uh, uh, should you be contacted, you, and you must request no further or future contact. Um, it Which means there's no. You withdraw your consent. Um, and they have to honour it. Otherwise, you can uh, lay a complaint with the information regulator. So I went back to clientele and they said, "Oh, thanks for that. We'll talk to our legal department." Oi, okay. So I just thought, you know, a lot of us are in this situation, and if you don't know, poppy is fantastic um, protection. And to be honest, I haven't done enough. Um, I haven't dealt with enough cases. Um, that speaks to pop where pop is a protection yeah. uh, I don't know it off the top of my head like I know most of the, of the, the CPA, CPA stuff yeah. so I just wanted to share that because you basically the upshot is if you get a call and you say don't call me you have opted out and Finish any further the call. calls no. and contact after that is 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 is, is, is illegitimate. In terms, it's happened of to Papier. me as
0: well. It's happened to me as well. <laughs> Priscilla certainly not alone. I'm sure there are no. many o- uh, audience members who will relate to that story. So good to know our rights, and thank you for following up uh, like uh, the proverbial <laughs> bulldog, <laughs> Wendy, on this one. Okay, right. we are going to. I think it'll probably be our, our last segment for today. But this is is. It's such a good story, Wendy, I know, because I it's thought an so age-old complaint and one that I really thought had, had gone out with the 1980s, revolving on what you put into your ears. Uh, now, the saying goes, as anybody who's grown up in a family of doctors will know, Nothing never put smaller anything than smaller than, an than your elbow right? into your ear. Uh, one of our listeners this week didn't heed that advice and uh, came to a bit of a sticky end as a result of it in some degree. Wendy, tell us the, the context okay. for this one.
1: so... This segment is for those, and I believe it's still a lot of people, Pippa, who routinely put earbuds into their ears or those of their children. Oi,
0: oi, um, oi.
1: You're a doctor's daughter, so maybe that's – but I promise no, you it happens. granddaughter,
0: but yes. No, granddaughter, um, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. I know they are. I mean, uh, the bottom line is that we've been told for years and years and years and years, although they may be colloquially referred to as earbuds, they do not belong in the human ear. And
1: the point is they're not actually called earbuds on the packaging. Anymore, so here. Yeah. anymore. So here's Annie's story. She wrote to me, and she called this a very funny issue, but it's actually not that funny at all. Quite
0: potentially serious. Yes. So
1: she had this issue with a major retailer. I haven't... I'm not naming them because it it could be any one of them. Um, And they actually had nothing to answer for.
0: In this case, In yeah. this
1: particular case. So she says, I bought their cotton buds. So she's calling them cotton buds, which is what they're labeled as, that are universally used for cleaning earwax. And they <laughs> came loose once or twice before I even used them. And there was a bit of a clue. No biggie, as I was always able to discard the bud before it came loose. However, this time, the cotton portion of the bud was left in my ear and it was wedged so badly that I had to go to my GP who manage to remove it. When I showed her what I was using, she was aghast at the quality that was being sold. I, I would imagine she might have wanted to say you shouldn't be putting even that the best in, yeah, quality yeah. earbud into your ear because that's not the biggest risk. It's, not about, it's about the damage that a good quality earbud would Can't be do doing in your ear, ear canal. Ear. Yeah. Yes. So she says, I took all this feedback and filed a complaint with the company I bought the buds from. Uh, she, the initial response was prompt from a store rep who said, yes, um, some batches of the product were not up to scratch. Which is a something they have to answer for if used according to instructions, right? Okay. Um, and they said, yes, send your doctor's bill and your Uber bills and we'll we'll sort you out via regional management. And five minutes later, that person obviously had a stern talking to from the superior. who um, Because he got back to her to say… Um, You've misused you, this product. Categorically yeah, categorically not intended to be used in ears at all. And they'd put a big disclaimer on the product stating that they being the supplier. And I checked it out. I sent you the photo. I mean, it's, it's a huge not. red thing right at the front of the pack next to the product name.
0: It says do not use in your not, ears. Yep, or nostrils. Here. Yes.
1: And don't let, keep uh, keep out of reach of children. And so I asked him, what else is it supposed to be used for then, this earbud? And he said for makeup application. I'm not aware of any makeup that is applied using cotton buds. Oh, well, I use cotton buds. I use buds. Them all the time. I'm yeah, I mainly yeah. use it to clean up messes, or also nail polish, that, that sort of thing. To
0: smudge a bit of eyeshadow or
1: eyeliner. You for use it ever? Like okay, there yes. we go. There we go. Obviously, Annie's n- n- never thought to use them for that. But she says, "'Just to prove my point, I went to three other of their stores "'and purposely asked the assistant where I could find some earbuds, "'and voila, guess what I was directed to? "'The same pack they claimed not to be used for ears. "'Would you please assist me in resolving this? "'Can a company put nonsensical disclaimers on their products "'that are universally used for a particular purpose "'to hide the terrible quality of the product "'and then claim no liability?''
0: So uh, it's a really interesting one, Wendy. As I said at the start, I'm quite aghast that anyone still uses them for that purpose because as far as I know, it's been for decades we've been told that they shouldn't be used for that purpose. The packaging reflects that they shouldn't be used for that purpose, and it's not hidden in small print. It's, as you said, it's bold and red and impossible. This was to probably mess. the
1: best warning I've ever seen, but I suspect yeah. that people have complained about the poor quality that's coming in the ears, and so they've done that. But the, the, the interesting part of all of this, of course, is that if you are disregarding a manufacturer, A, they're not calling them earbuds. If you're disregarding their very, very prominent warning not to put them in your ears or your nostrils, and then something happens when you do, you can't there's hold them no protection that's yeah. going to help you there. You are, you have, you've blatantly disregarded the manufacturer's instructions. So,
0: And I also, I, 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 you know, I don't think it's fair to hold the staff in the store accountable because they responded to the term earbuds. It's a generic term that is still. It is still a generic used, term that's
1: still. But, I, I know everybody calls them that yeah. because that was the historic until people realized what damage they caused. They were doing, yeah. um, so yes, I mean, I, I, I googled it. Why shouldn't you use it? Because it acts like a plunger in the ear canal, pushing earwax deeper and deeper in. And if you push wax um, too deep, there's no way for it to get out and swept out of the ear, which is how the ear is designed to, to function. To function. Yeah. Also, cotton sops can cause punctured eardrums and hearing loss. I know of a, of a journalist that lost you're hearing that oh, way. Oh, my goodness. Um, in severe cases, the cotton swab can damage any sensitive structures behind the ear canal and cause complete deafness, prolonged vertigo with nausea and vomiting, loss of taste function and even facial paralysis. If you do want to clean your outer ear, you just have to get a warm face cloth, for example, and... Um, wipe around with that. People say, if I only use them on the outer ear. Well, there have been cases where people have been doing that and absentmindedly maybe walked into a door or something and then shoved this causing earbud in causing damage. Yeah. So, the, the um, advice is always and has been for many years, keep those things out of your ear and if you do <laughs> choose to do it, it's entirely At your your own 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 risk. risk. Okay. Unless you use a product that's called an earbud and specifically tells… Marketed
0: for that purpose. And has little diagrams
1: or whatever, then um, you would definitely have a case because it wouldn't be fit for purpose. But the purpose for which it's um, stated to be does not include putting it into your ear.
0: Okay, thank you very much. One last very quick follow-up question from Alan in Belleville saying, could you touch on how estate agents can randomly call you and ask if you want to sell your property and state your address to you? Surely the Poppy Act should have put an end to that as well. I've had two calls in the past two weeks.
1: Well, the same would apply.
0: They're getting it from the Deeds Office. uh, Yes, I uh, think so. Um,
1: But should they be able to? It's an interesting one. I, funnily enough, did ask Nanzoma and she hasn't really come back to me with a response on that one. Um, Definitely, um, obviously, the same would apply as with... Clientele life or any other um, company doing telemarketing, that the first time you tell them no should be it. There's no yeah. justification, legal or otherwise, for them to continue. But um, what she hasn't answered is because um, I took up a case as well. Actually, someone saying uh, someone in the old days had put their little cards into your postbox, which yes, is so fine. You know if you want
0: to. Sell it wasn't addressed yeah. to you,
1: but now this woman had no dealings with a state agent, but got a WhatsApp. And she was saying, that's a violation as far as I'm concerned. Why do they have my information? She knew my name. She knew my cell number. Um, And so I'll need to come back on that one.
0: Okay. I think that is all on its own, perhaps, a topic to be explored, Alan. So to be continued. Wendy, always great to have you with us. Enjoy the rest of your birthday. (laughs) Thank you so much. And chat again next week, Wednesday.